Are you ready for the Word of God? If you're ready, you know, can put some emoticons, uh, reaction on Zoom. Amen. We're going to spend the next three weeks um, together as a church as we pray and fast together for our nation, the nation that we love. Um, I, I want to pray that at the same time, God will also re- realign us. I know, I know sometimes when you don't drive your car for a while or you don't send your car for service for a while, there is a misalignment, whether it is your tires or your engine, you know, needs some tuning. And for the next few weeks, I pray that God will realign us again, our mindset, our focus, and our purpose spiritually, that God will prepare us for what is next that He has in store for us. Amen. One of the things I believe that we all struggle a lot is our identity. There seems to be an identity crisis, whether it is in the world or even in the house of God, that we begin to forget who we are. Or to be more specific, who we are in Christ. How does God see us? Because if we do not know who we are, we will always try to be who we are not. If we do not know who we are, we do not know how to act, what to speak, what to think. The Bible makes it very clear that when God created us, He created us in His image. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says when God created us, He created us to be different from all other creatures. That means whether it is lion, elephants, whales, monkeys, all other creatures, none of them resemble the image of God. But God, when He created you, He had His image in mind that you and I would carry His image on earth. That is why, if that is who we are, I pray that as we go through the sermon today, our image, our self-image in God will be restored. We will know who we are so that we will know how to act and how to live, especially in this very challenging time. I pray that all the more our identity in Christ will be secured. Let's turn with me to the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Here, the Word of God says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we come and behold God, as we look, as we worship, you know, every time we worship God and every time we read the Word of God, we come in contact face to face with Him. Amen? His glory. So whether we are, whether we are worshipping or whether we read the Word of God, there is a goal. What goal? That we will allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into the same image right? 
into the glory of God. That all of us will become more and more like Jesus. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Truly, worship, I believe, should make us more and more like Jesus. Amen. We become like who we worship. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. The Bible says that even before you were born, God already knew you. And He has predestined you. He has called you. He, has, he will justify you. And He also glorified us. But the key is this. We are predestined to be what? Verse 29. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Friends, you and I are not supposed to follow anyone else, anyone else more than following Jesus. Amen? Because you and I, from the very beginning, we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That is why, friends, City Light, this is so important for us to know, that we should go through spiritual formation. We should be sanctified in Christ so that you and I will be more and more Christ-like. That His glory, as we worship Him, we become transformed in His, into His image. As we read His Word, His Word begins to change us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is God's goal for every Christian. So Adam and Eve were created in God's image. But when sin came, that image was broken. We fell really, really low, right? Sin had taken over. But when Jesus came, He restored us. He justified us so that we can be glorified again into, back into this image so that we can be more and more like Him again just as the beginning, how He has created us to be. That is why, church, if this is so important, then becoming Christ-like should be the primary goal of every church. Should be the primary goal of all that we do. Whether you are helping in the community, serving the poor, you are just learning to be more and more like Christ. You read God's Word because Jesus is a lover of God's Word. He lived and breathed God's Word. Amen. We forgive because we know that that is part of being Christ-like. You know, a lot of times in this world that we live in, we are always driven by goals, right? Goals in a workplace. How many, how, what is the sales target for this month, right? Even in church, we have goals. How many people you want to have? In your life group, you pray for revival, you pray for big conferences, you have this goal and that target. We have goals. And it's not wrong to have goals. It's good. But you know, 
all that we do, whether it is discipleship classes, Bible study, life group, worship, practice. You know, people come in and out the church to serve. Now, not so much, but in the past, we have been doing that. Can we not be distracted by all these activities? Can we focus that God, all that I do here, these are all vehicles. These are all external things that I do so that, so that I will become more and more like Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The Bible says that we are just the vessel, but in us, it is the treasure. It is the power of God. It is the Holy Spirit in us. So what is important? It is a treasure. Without the treasure, the vessel is nothing. Friends, our prayer meeting is just a vessel. Life group is just a vessel. Fellowship is a vessel. Your worship practice, all these things that we do, external things, revival meetings, all these are just vessels. But the treasure is God. God is the focus. Let's not be distracted. Let's not be distracted by all these external things. Because if we don't focus on this, we can walk out from a worship service, from a Zoom meeting, we are still angry, we are still unforgiving, and we still have dirty thoughts in our mind. Are you following me? We can walk out from a very good Bible study. We can come out from a deliverance meeting. But if we don't have the goal of becoming Christ-like, to be transformed by Him, then the church is no different from a social club in the world. If after you serve in worship team for three years, we are not becoming more like Christ. We are still as angry, as unforgiving and unkind like how we used to be. Then all the things that we do externally is a waste because we have lost sight of the treasure which is God Himself. Amen? So remember, if we don't have our spiritual life in church, all right, the life of God, the character of God in us, slowly, disunity will set in, pride will set into our church, strife. We'll have groups, gangs, people that we don't like. We just like the world. But Jesus has come. He has come not just to save us, from sin, but also save us from our old self. He's also sa sa saving us from our old mindset. Those that, 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 that has kept us in bondage in the past, He has set us free. That is why every time we say, oh, we should go out and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples in all the world for Jesus. You know, making disciples, right? is in the New Testament, is a must. If you're not a disciple, you are really not following Jesus, all right? But 
to be a disciple, we've got to understand what it really means. Disciples follow their teachers, follow their master. It is to learn from him. That is why Jesus says, teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. That is why Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have learned in our Bible study, baptism meaning it's coming to unity. We identify with Christ to be more and more like Him. As you, it's baptizal, you dip yourself inside God. So when you come out, when you come out of baptism, we should not live a life that is separated from God, but we should live in God. Are you following me? Baptism is more than just going through that ceremony. But it is about living in God, in His presence, allowing Him to transform us, allowing Him to show us who He is. Our goal, really, is not to grow the church or the ministry or to have greater impact. Those things are good. We are praying for that. But more importantly, we pray to know Christ and to be more and more like Him. You know, know is it's a very deep experience of knowing the person personally, experiencing Him. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, for whom... I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You know, Paul says here, he prays, right? He prays so hard. It's like labor in birth, right? So hard until Christ is formed in them. That is why every leader, every pastor, my goal, my heart is not that Man, you will make a lot of money in the marketplace or you will do very well in ministry. Those things are good. They are like bonus. But our main goal is always this, that Christ is formed in us. Amen? Christ is formed in you. I enjoy the prayer with C2 so much because I asked them last night, what have you learn what have you received for the past few days as we just gather and pray. They just feel God is cleansing them, sanctifying them, God is teaching them, and God is pointing out the bad, the ugly, the sinful in our lives. And I think as I come to church this morning, I am reminded again, I need that in my life. I need God to show me, to cleanse me, so remember this, we got to be, have spiritual, we have got to have spiritual formation before spiritual success. Success comes later. Success is what is external, but really what we want is when we meet God, meet Jesus face to face, that we shall become like Him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. This is the fivefold ministry. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why do we need fivefold ministry in church? Why do we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? It is to equip the saints, amen, and to build out the body of Christ. And what is the purpose? That at the end of the day, we will really know the Son of God will be built up to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That when people look at the children of God, it's like they have seen Jesus. Isn't it beautiful? If people come to us and say, wow, how can you do that? Not, it's how can you earn so much money. It's not, how can you... Um, um, be so successful in your ministry, but how can you be so Christ-like? And we know that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need God. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need His Word. Everything that we go through in life is so that we can become, we can become Christ-like. I pray that all of us will begin to behold Christ and we will be touched and impacted by His character. Look at Jesus. That's why when you read the four Gospels, it's not just about what Jesus can do for you, but also what Jesus can do in us. Whatever that Jesus did in the four Gospels, He expects His disciples to do the same, to be like Him. So friends, what are you pursuing some people did share to me before, say, Pastor, I've lost the purpose of serving. I've lost the, the purpose of uh, doing so much in church. I begin to reflect, what is the purpose? What is the goal? Perhaps we have set our goals wrongly. Maybe you think, we think that to, to serve is to see the impact. Then when there is no impact, we want to give up. Maybe we serve is to be recognized. When there is no recognition, we give up. Maybe we serve because we have such a beautiful gifts and talents, but there is not the purpose. The purpose is to be more and more like Jesus. It is to know Him. Because if you set that purpose right, it is to love God, to be loved by Him. Then really, any ministry, you will not lose your purpose. You can serve the poor and not lose your purpose. You will not lose that joy and that passion. So remember, let us not bring what is in the world, the values, back to church and try to build it here. Don't duplicate that and build it in church. No, we should build our lives, allow God to build our lives from the inside out. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Paul talks about a goal here. He said, not that I've already attained and already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We always use this, you know, I want to forget the what is behind and press on to what is ahead. 
Oh, I've got to keep moving forward. I have to pursue the goal. But friends, what goal? What goal? Paul says his goal is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you read a few verses before this, he actually explained it. He said this, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, verse 10. That is the goal, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul longs to know Jesus. He longs to know Jesus so much so that he wants to experience his resurrection and also his suffering. A lot of us want the resurrection, but we do not want the suffering. But Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know his heart. That's why I don't mind suffering. And he says, I don't mind being conformed to his death so that I can also attain to the resurrection from the dead. To Paul, his goal is not success in ministry. It's not building a mission empire. For Paul, it's not about, you know, looking impressive. No, he only had one goal. It is to know God. It's to have that intimacy, to experience Christ, to be changed by Him, to be conformed to the image of God. All of us have the same upward call that we are given this privilege to know God so intimately, to know His heart, to carry His character. We cannot do it by our own strength. The Holy Spirit will help us the character of Jesus is explained by the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, kindness, patience, self-control. When we begin to look and allow the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in us, we become more and more like Him. And He invites us to be one spirit with Him. It's likened to the union of a bride and bridegroom. That's why the church is also described as his bride. Do you know when a girl is married to a guy, they are joined as one? And I don't know if you observe, right, when two couple, when a couple is in love, the, they just become more and more like each other. You look at their face, right? It's just like, you cannot differentiate. You they just look like a family. Um, you look at Wilson and Caitlin, right? It's a, it's a very good example, right? You look at them, it's like, wow, they have the same vibe. They, they talk the same, you know? They act the same, you know? Because that is what a union does. So when we come into union with Christ, we should expect the same. 
as we spend time with Him, all right, allow Him to change us. And I want to today share with you this. In a marriage, the foundation of a marriage is love. The foundation of marriage is friendship. Amen? Any relationship is always friendship. Marriage is more than just a transaction, all right? It's not like I give you this one, you give me that one. We exchange. It's not, it's not a transaction. It is a friendship. And when the friendship is broken, the marriage will be broken. There must always be that loving relationship that you walk with each other every single day. I want to today talk about friendship with God a bit. I think we seldom talk about friendship with God because we know God is Almighty God. We know He is our Master. He is our Lord. We know He is our Shepherd, our Healer, our Provider. Right? And we are His servants. We are His sons and daughters. He's our Father. We know that. But in the Bible, God also talks a bit about our friendship with Him. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It's a long passage. Okay, if you, you can bear with me, I'll just read through verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Right? You see, it's a loving relationship that Jesus is showing us. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And you, your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus showed us the beautiful relationship He has with the Father. It's a perfect union, perfect unity. They are in love. They are in each other. And Jesus says, now you love one another. That is my commandment for you. And He says this, as you love, right, no greater love has, no greater love you can find than this. What is that? Is that you lay down your life for your friends. And we all know this. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. No greater love than this. He laid down His life for us. And He said, you are my friends. If you do whatever that I command you. What did He command us to do? It is to love one another. The more we love, the more we are in His love. The more we love, the more we are His friends. Amen? He said, I don't call you as servants. 
I call you as friends because a servant does not know what his master is doing. Friends, yes, we should carry the heart of a servant when we serve God. That is how Jesus did as well. But in that relationship, we are not in a position where we don't have intimacy with God. God has invited us to be His friend, that He will reveal to us what the Father has made known to Him. And He said, love one another, go and bear fruit. Friends, when Jesus calls us friends, I think it's a, it's a really, you, you, you know when you do a wedding, all right, people that come to a wedding, there are a few kinds of guests. One is like your parents, friends, your relatives. Some is like really far, far. You sometimes even struggle to know who they are, right? That one they are in the wedding. But there's a group of people that you really want to celebrate your marriage with. Who are they? Your good friends. Friends that you journey with. Friends that you count on when you go through crises in life. Friends that you will share your days, good days, bad days with. Jesus called us his friends because I think he expects us to walk with him in such intimacy. As we become his friends, we do what he calls us to do. Amen. We become more and more like him. That's how you affected. I still remember when I was young, I didn't love, like to study. Alright, form one and form two, I went to school. My bag was always empty. My homework was always not done. I never did my homework because all my friends were like that. Alright, all of us just lepak, hang out. And somehow by the grace of God, form three, right, though my result was not good, I was taken out from that group of friends and I joined the first class. And I do not know what happened. Why, why such arrangement? So my friend said, wow, what, what did you do? How come you left us? I said, I, I also don't know. But as I joined that class, I began to make new friends, people who love to study, people who discuss homework, actually. Wow, it was very strange. But yet, that changed me. What am I trying to explain over here is that as we hang out with God, as we spend time with Him, we just enjoy that relationship. You know, you'll be very tiring, right? When you come to God, it's master, master. Where should, what should I do? And we never get to know God's heart. But God wants to reveal His heart to us. So when you read His word, it is a commandment, but it is also a love letter. It is full of His heart. Letter for a friend as well. So if that is the case, when you go out with your friends, it's, you are quite happy, am I right? When you go, go out, okay, I know, you, you cannot remember when was the last time you went cinema with your friends, went shopping mall with your friends. Just imagine, okay, your far, far away memory. Those days, you go and fetch your friends. When they get up to your car, you say, buckle up, let's go, can't wait to go. I think we can do that with God. God, welcome to my life come and change me. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go. Take, take the driver's seat or take, just come with me. I'm ready to go with you. 
invite Jesus into every part of our life, into our relationship, into our finances. Oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to give an offering. God, oh, what do you think I should give? Right? Have that interaction and allow Him in your life, into your friendship. Isn't it great if we really just have a friend? That's why it's beautiful. We can have a friend like that from morning till night. And Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be with you till the end. In the Bible, we see Moses. All right, Exodus chapter 33. Probably we just go to verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Wow, isn't it beautiful? That's how God spoke to Moses. Abraham, in three parts on the Bible, Isaiah chapter 41, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and even the book of James, New Testament, it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. We are all sons of Abraham. We are descendants of Abraham. And Abraham was called the friend of God. That is why when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, He said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Shall I hide from my friend? I must talk to him. All right? Isn't it great if God can speak to us his secrets? God can speak to us his heart. Shall I hide from Zach Kuei? He is my friend. I want to touch this life. Shall I hide from him? Isn't it beautiful? If God begins to say, shall I hide from Daniel? Wow. I just want to walk with God in such intimacy, so much more in this, that He is truly the treasure that I need. But really, the truth is this, to be God's best friend, to be God's friend, He is our best friend. There is a condition, or I should say, we must learn how to let go so that we can truly follow Him. In James chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, it says here, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? I think all of us want to be a friend of God. But are we a friend with the world? What God is teaching us here is not to hate the world because God so loved the world, right? But to be friend with the world, it is to be influenced by the world. It's to carry the worldly values. And because if we do that, we cannot really come into a close friendship with God because they are opposing each other. And the scripture says, God dwells in us, yearns jealously. 
That means God expects us to be wholehearted to Him. Otherwise, we will be adulterer. I think adulterers here don't just mean sexually, but it can also mean spiritually. I think a lot of times we can be spiritual adulterers as well. And we say, God, I love you. Oh, but I, I love this man, God. I love this more. I love this more than you, you know. We do not want to be adulterers. Let's be single-minded and say, God, I want you to be my friend, God. I want to be your friend. I want to let go of the world. That's why we've got to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. The more we follow Him, the more we become more and more like Him. City Light, the first weekend that we talk about realignment, I think we need to realign. We need to realign our we need to realign our walk with God. We need to realign our friendship with God. We need to come to this back to this first love, this desire, and say, God, bring me back. We need to leave the world spiritually because the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Come, let's go to the last scripture today as we come to a close. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. You see, God holds the secrets, truth, these spiritual things, wonderful things, and He hid it from the wise and prudent, those who think they already know. You know, Isaac last week shared about keeping the wonder. You know, babies, children, they always have that wonder and they always get to understand spiritual truth so easily. I talk to my children, right? Sometimes their faith amazes me because to them, okay, I can sleep already because I pray already. It's like, I trust in God already. Why worry that there's a sleep? I think I'm guilty of that. Even so, verse 26, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. We need to get the revelation. We need to get the revelation of who God is. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's very strange that Jesus was talking about the revelation of the Father and how certain things are hidden from the wise. And next, he talked about an invitation. He said, come to me, you who work hard 
you who have heavy burdens, come and I will give you rest. And we wonder, God, how do you give me rest? Is it that I don't have to do anything? No. He says, take my yoke. You know, the oxen, right, have yoke upon them. Normally, they are together. A yoke would secure two oxen together. Say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That means we can walk side by side with Jesus. Oh God, I go to work today. Oh, I'm so stressed out, God. My boss demands this and that. God, how can I learn from you? What do you want me to do? Maybe God will say to you, Stop complaining. Stop complaining and stop speaking bad about your boss. Okay, Jesus, I will learn from you. And you go out, somebody, before you can park your car, somebody just came in and took your parking. Oh, Jesus, how can I learn from you? Jesus says, give. Give it, give the parking. So you, we, we always go back because Jesus says, teach them to do all that I've commanded you to do. That means the Word of God becomes that yoke that is light because we come and just follow Him and learn from Jesus. And what kind of character does Jesus have? He said, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I think that is why Jesus was never agitated when people cursed him, spat on him. He was just calm. He knew his purpose. He had rest, true rest in his soul. This season, can we just find true rest in God? Remember the greatest goal the greatest goal is not to have success. Oh, I should strive harder. I should set a higher goal. Man, I'm not working hard enough. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, if you are tired, if you are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. How do you rest? Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Carry my yoke. My yoke is not hard. It's easy. My burden is light. Wow. Jesus, I do not want to carry my own burden anymore. I want to carry yours. Jesus, this morning, would you just speak to us, Lord? We want to learn from you. We want to be more and more like you, Lord. Lord, would you just tear down all the old wineskin? All that we find pride in. Just like Paul, how Paul says, I've counted all things as loss, as a rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Jesus, we want to have more of you, God. Church, Jesus is inviting you. He said, I do not want to call you as servants. 
I want to call you as friends. Maybe you have served the Lord. You have put in hard work, but you are tired. She says, don't be just a servant. Be a friend. Come into my love. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus says, I will send you out to bear fruit and your fruit shall remain. Love one another. Love one another because I've loved you. Let's just close our eyes and just come to God humbly. Friends, Jesus is calling out to us. Are you tired? Just feel God is speaking to us this morning. Stop struggling. Stop using your own strength. Stop depending on yourself. It is not possible without God. It is not possible without the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, come. Come and I will give you rest. Come. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I wonder how many of us here, we need God to take our burden. We need God to be our friends, to be our friend that will journey with us every single day. That when you start your day, when you open the moment and you open your eyes, He's already there, waiting to be invited. But we can say to Him, Jesus, are you ready? I want to start my day with you. The moment when we sleep, we say, good night, Jesus. See you in my dreams. See you. You are always with me. We can just go with Him. You are not lonely, you are not alone because He is always present in your life. But we got to let go. Let go of our friendship with the world. Take up the cross. Let our old self die so that our true self, our new self in Christ can come alive. Jesus, I pray, if this is your prayer, would you just lift up your hands wherever you are to God? Jesus, we want to be your friend, Lord. We want to obey you and be your friend. We want to do what you say. We want to walk with you, God, every single day of our lives. Jesus, Jesus. Father God, I pray you help us, Lord, Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to be more and more like you. That is our purpose. It is to be conformed to Jesus Christ, to your image, Lord. Father God, I pray for City Light that none of us will see following you as a burden, but really a joy, a joy, and that joy may be full, that joy may be full, because you are in us. You are for us. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to walk with you every single day, God. Oh, Lord, not only remembering you when we need help, but every joy we want to share with you, every pain, every direction we want to take in you, God. Oh, we want to honour you. We want to live for you, God. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of our lives. All that we have and all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. If you love Jesus, can we just give Him praise wherever you are? Jesus, yes, we love you, Lord.